0: Welcome to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders.
1: Hi, I'm Jim Berklin. How to achieve long-term care career success was the topic of a recent in-person thought leadership educational session we conducted. It was so good and the information so widely applicable, we knew it deserved as broad of an audience as possible. Today, we bring you the excerpted highlights of that program. Six outstanding leaders, all honorees from the 2022 McKnight's Women of Distinction Awards program, reveal the things that have brought them lasting success. They hit the mark for all long-term care providers, not just women on this occasion. They identify the skills they want to see more of from up-and-comers. They talk about the best ways to find a good mentor or mentors and how to keep those relationships glowing. Other key topics were critical thinking skills, team building, and much more. Enter the esteemed panelists and what they believe has been the key to their respective personal climbs up the career ladder. Cassie Mistretta, CEO of Senior Living Properties, who credits her stick to itness. Tina Reed, Director of Clinical Services at the provider chain LCS, who touts being adaptable. Delane Rice-White, Vice President of Rehabilitation Services for ProMedica Senior Care, who cited a trio, dedication, determination, and discipline. There's also Jamie Merrill, a Regional Vice President of Operations for Brookdale Senior Living. Challenging the status quo is her badge of honor. Carol Silver Elliott, the President and CEO of the Jewish Home Family, stressed the need for sincerity and communication skills. Finally, April Diaz, vice president of clinical services for marquee companies, credits her rise to passion about serving residents and staff. Communicate and innovate, she says. She also noted it pays to develop certain qualities as early as possible in one's career.
2: I think, you know, as I, we work with growing leaders in our company and as I work with, you know, as a nurse working with new nurses, it's that confidence You know, instilling them with knowing when they're confident, having enough, you know, how do you balance assertiveness with being overdone, right? And then putting themselves as new leaders, as you see individuals that, gosh, you see that potential. Put yourself in areas that not necessarily your wheelhouse and comfort zone. And challenge yourself. I call them stretch assignments. You know, put yourself outside your normal workflow, and that will start growing new leaders. I think faster than other. And observing what others do in those situations. Jamie, I see nodding your head. I mean, does it make? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it
3: more? does. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that um, you know, all of that is exactly spot on, right? I mean, you're 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 looking at confidence, but I think you know, to your point, April, it's you know, you, don't, you also don't want to know it all, and I think that you know, sometimes <laughs> women can uh, be looked at when they are confident as being overly confident. Um, you know, I would add one piece to it that I I think a lot of times people don't think of because it takes us and and it has taken us a little bit more to get to the leadership positions that we're in is the work life balance, right? So I want to see women leaders be able to balance work and life a little bit better than what I know is there. And so I I see way too many uh, women leaders feel like they have to either kill themselves Uh, on the work side and number of hours and you know subject their family to not being there or they can't have a family or then they feel like they have to leave the industry or leave their work because they need to be able to balance their home life and take care of their kids and I'm I'm a, a perfect example and I think a lot of us are here to be able to say you can do it all. You just have to find the balance between, I always call it organize your chaos, right? You just have to organize your chaos on a daily basis because it is chaos, but um, you have to find a way to be able to organize it and you can have the best of both
1: worlds. Okay, great. Anybody else like take a look at I want to just
4: piggyback on what you said. I think that's so critical and mm-hmm. I think that as leaders, we have to support that and we have to let people know that it's okay to have competing priorities and to be, to put Family first when you need to and to help people understand that we're not just interested in them as that working person and the role they play but definitely as whole human beings I think that's one of the things women do better than anybody else we understand the wholeness of the person the complexity of their life and to be able to help them manage that helps them to grow as well
1: I can see where that identifying—it's always identifying with the culture and the work. Correct. Uh-huh. Uh, let's move on to a, a, a similar subject. Now, we want to talk about mentors? And Tina, I'd like to throw it to you first. Um, how do you really find one? I'm—we're gonna, going to assume that mentors are a good thing, obviously. <laughs> um, But how do you really find one? I mean, everybody kind of says that. How do you find one? How do you get one? What do you recommend?
5: Recently, LCS implemented a mentor-mentee program. So we're seeing a lot of organizations that are doing a formal mentor program within the company to provide that growth opportunity to grow those individuals from the community level and also in those management positions. For me personally, I think that resonates with something that you had said earlier is uh, just someone has t- t- took me under their wing. You know, I was lucky enough to uh, have great leaders early on in my career, and I identified with them very well. And and uh, I wasn't afraid to go to them and say, "I want to learn from you."
1: Okay, so, excuse me. That's what I was, you had great mentors. How did they get there? How did they become your mentor? But,
5: well, they were actually just my bosses, and so I was not afraid to approach them and say. I really want to learn from you. I was open to their coaching because so many times, you know, I was a nurse. I mean, what can my executive director teach me on a nursing level? So it goes back to that adaptability and really thinking about shifting a career path. I didn't think I would go into operations, but I had a really great operational leader that um, was willing to invest that time into me. And so uh, I was open to that, and I've continued to seek out opportunities for those that I want to learn from and just be open and say, I want to learn from you. And uh, can I schedule some time on your calendar? So, and be, um, you know, network with them Uh, along the way. I I think that Tina said something really,
3: really critical here, which I think most people don't always pick up on right when we think of mentors we think that mentors need to seek us out Mm -hmm. when in reality the best way to get a mentor is take advantage of your own development plan and find them and and I think sometimes I I talk about this all the time right we have this thing inside because we're human we're made that way called pride and we have this fear of being rejected we don't want somebody to say no I mean I don't know when have you ever been asked a question of somebody really wanting to know something and, and someone has shut you down and said no but I think far too often we just wait for people to come to us when in reality it's all about, hey, I want to know what you know and you may not have time to tell me right now but can I schedule some time? I think Tina said it really well and it's all about kind of taking it into your own hands. And you don't have to label them as a mentor. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. when they
5: label people right. as mentors are like, oh, I can't take that <laughs> <And that's-> on.
0: <laughs>
5: so instead, you know, just create that relationship mm-hmm. with them. Learn from them. Because, I mean, I'm serious. Like if somebody approached me, I'm like, all right, well, I've got already two people that I'm mentoring. I don't right. know if I have a room for a third. But if I'm working to develop somebody who reports directly to me and I can schedule that time with them to develop them, you're mentoring them.
1: What about, though, worrying about being exposed? And, Delaine, let me ask you this. Is I would I know people have said, well, then I've got to tell them my weakness, or they know what I don't know, and this. And how do you get over that?
0: Well, I, I think it's important. I always say our tests are our testimonials. So I want to be able to share where my weaknesses are and share how I overcome them. And that's makes us vulnerable. We all know that. It's sometimes uncomfortable. However, it's good information for a young leader. And I always say, when you're looking for a mentor and you're uh, looking at the goals that you have, then you want to find someone that has the strengths. So not everyone that you come across, whether it be your boss, I might not be the right mentor for someone. I am going to lead them and direct them to search out someone that has the area that they want to grow. And I would also say there's so many different companies that do it a different way. There's leadership development programs, so we encourage uh, individuals to, uh, to utilize those. Uh, NESL has a great emerging leaders uh, mentoring program, ASHA, has a mentoring program, so I may just help them facilitate going in a different direction. It may not be me. So that's one thing. And, and I will say this, the leaders that I support, I always encourage them, as part of their purpose, to take on the next leader. And the next up leader is what we call them. And that is reach out to them first and say, how can I help you? What is something that you're working on that I might be able to help you? So I do think it's it's a give and take. Mm-hmm. We want them to come to us, and we also want to make it easy on them and, and reach out and, and touch them as well.
1: Leave a little bit of a legacy, almost, mm-hmm. type thing, yeah. right? Now, and Now, I was just going to ask if there's any advice, actually, for I know that, well, okay, I can think I've been in some situations like that. I have that mentor. I have that person I like. How do you know how much to ask of them You know, they've been busy. Do I bug them? Do I not? I don't know. Cass, do you have any advice on, you know, hey, every couple weeks or they'll let you know? I mean, how do you know that balance?
6: God, well, I scheduled time. I still have a mentor, so I'm a CEO of a company, and I need it more now than I've ever needed it, to be honest, because um, my decisions are a lot more impactful and affect a lot more lives than they used to. So I have a I have a call every week with my mentor. When I got hired, I said I, I'm going to need an executive coach or a mentor. The board supported that, provided me with one, and I have a call with him every week, and he's been wonderful.
1: Okay. Well, that's pretty that's <laughs> pretty easy way that. to figure <laughs> it out, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> And they'll, they'll let you know if it's mm-hmm. too much or they don't have time, right? Mm-hmm. But I see a lot of those relationships kind of fall by the wayside because everybody gets busy.
4: I also don't think that a mentor has to be just one person Mm -hmm. in an intense relationship. I think there are mentoring relationships that we have that are Mm short-term and specific Mm -hmm. and in different areas. I can think of colleagues whom I would refer to as Mm -hmm. mentors. doesn't mean I talk to them every week, but they're the first person I call when I'm like, what do I do with Mm -hmm. this? Or let me talk this through with you. I'm not sure that we always, I think it's great to have someone you have a regular relationship with, but I also think we should be open to those more informal interactions because it may very well be that you need a mentor in one area that's quite different from what you need in another area.
1: Okay, Uh, I'd like to move on to How do you recommend uh, anybody developing create the critical thinking skills and that everybody said is so, and enhance them? And I mean, this is almost, do they read the Wall Street Journal every day? Do they, you know, do they study books or anything? April, any thoughts on how somebody can actually raise their game?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's what I think critical thinking, we all know, is so key, whether or not you're in administration, whether you're in nursing, ha- however you are. And some people, it's like, well, it just kind of happens. Well, not really. If we look at how do we, as leaders, we're going to need that critical thinking. And as we mentor others coming through, that what's been shown more importantly last two years, how fast critical thinking has to happen, right? Right. And so I think as we work as with new leaders, and you look in that leadership, is helping them get in, in um, whether it be brainstorming sessions, whether giving them a challenge to say, hey, why don't you assist me? I'm working at this. I need, I need someone to break it down for me. And then working with those younger leaders on how to break it down. Because some of us get to a point where we just do it so all the time. We don't think about it. But getting those um, new or emerging leaders into a scenario that's, again, outside of their normal wheelhouse that um, either puts them in an environment where there is critical thinking done or help them practice it. I think that comes with practice over time and um, making it structured sometimes mm-hmm. is very hard. How do you structure critical thinking? That's
1: right. It doesn't and, just
2: happen. Right. It's experience. Yeah. But we all know as we get to a point, critical thinking has to happen quickly and fast.
1: We've touched on it a little bit, but let's go back to the roles of confidence, assertiveness, emotional intelligence, because that's kind of squishy general stuff, right? Okay, it's good to have, but how do you get it? Cassie, I'd like to go first to you to see what you recommend. How does somebody do that? Because that's not necessarily, you know, you read the first page of a textbook and says, this is how you develop. Well, maybe it does. What do you, what do you think?
6: Well, it kind of comes back to what I said earlier is just... Um, for those that play sports, it's more reps. The more you practice, the more you get reps, the more time on task, the better you get at things like that. You, you know, I, I got an altercation with a business office manager my first year as administrator, I slammed the door. I was like, ooh, that was inappropriate. <laughs> I've never slammed a door since then, you know, right? Like, I got, I got emotionally escalated. It wasn't an effective way. I was embarrassed in my behavior and I learned from it and I didn't behave that way ever again in the future. Um, being slow to anger, I think, is really, really ki- critical with emotional intelligence and keeping your calm and le- uh, leading by example. Um, it was said earlier, too, hiring with integrity. I also think about hiring with respect or hiring people that have respect because as long, no matter what the conflict is that's occurring, as long as you're treating each other with respect during that conflict... It's going to be fine. You're going to figure it out. You're going to problem solve. You're going to get through it together. It's when you start breaking down respectful behaviors and get disrespectful that things really crumble and fall apart. So um, those are some of my
1: keys. Boy, we've got to get you on late night TV or in in politics or something. (laughs) Right. right. Teach some people some lessons, (laughs) Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Jamie, what can you uh, Um, tell us about this?
6: You know,
3: I would say emotional intelligence, it's one of the things that I I train and coach on a lot because... um, it's so critical. I have a daughter who is graduating from college, actually, or excuse me, high school on Tuesday. And, um, you know, one of the things that I tell her and I tell everybody is I care more about emotional intelligence and people that I'm hiring and people that I'm looking for. It is what sets the leaders apart, right? I don't care what skill you have because I can teach you all the other stuff. Yeah. I'm going to hire specifically for emotional intelligence. And I, I veer my interview questions. Um, to pick up on if they're emotionally intelligent or not.
1: What's a good sure. What's a question? So
3: so my type of interview I'm, I'm looking for behavioral based questions. I'm actually going to dig into opportunities where um, They have failed and they have really messed up and I want to I'm seeking to hear the self-reflection In what it is that they say I ask questions like tell me last time you've been coached on something and when people come back and say I Never have I'm like no. Well, there you go. Um, so I guarantee you have, but you didn't pick up on it, so... They um, weren't intelligent. That's right. That's not emotionally intelligent, and you're probably lying, so... Self-awareness. Um, but, but in all seriousness, I think it is... Um, I think we have to be able to, to gear ourselves towards it, but self-reflection is the key, most critical element to being emotionally intelligent. Uh, and really understanding and debriefing. I I said earlier, I I failed a bunch of times, right? I fail all the time. My list of weaknesses is greater than my strengths. And we have to be able to be open about that and self-reflect, but I always say there's really two components, right, to self-reflection and coaching acceptance, and the the two components are you have to accept it and be able to do it, right, you have to be able to actually self-reflect, debrief with people, you know, create um, a surrounding of individuals that you can be open with and they can be open with, but then comes the test, and it's, and then how did you apply it? And how did you now apply that experience to create a better version and a, a, a difference? Just like Cassie mm-hmm. said, right? Slammed the door in somebody's face. I mean, you know, whoops, didn't do that again. That didn't feel good for anybody. <laughs> um, I think we've all had experiences like that and it's led us to being more emotionally intelligent overall because it really is being your true self. Um, and it's understanding what makes you tick and what creates those emotions and then being able to pause through it. Mm-hmm. Tina, thoughts on this?
5: I echo what everyone else has said. I just think that as leaders you have to uh, be very aware of, um, of your response to things and how others are viewing you and just take a, a deeper look into those leaders that you've looked up to and respected and uh, model that behavior. Um, because usually those those individuals that um, are not emotionally intelligent uh, are not um, responding to situations effectively, and we miss a lot of opportunities based on our responses sometimes, uh, whether it's someone that we're tra- trying to coach or a situation that we're um, working through. Uh, if we're not responding in the right way, we might be shutting someone down uh, to get their um, their thoughts on um you know the situation or what-have-you so just just be very aware that people are watching and many times you can uh, stifle your creativity in the wor- uh, in the workplace as well as uh, potential growth opportunities for you in the future
1: yeah I think all kidding aside showing the vulnerability probably a lot of people don't want to do that because hey now they know I'm not whole or I'm not great on it Delaine, I want to turn to you a little bit we're talking if you want to follow up on that subject, but also the aspect of team building, because everybody here has had to build a team. Everybody in this room, probably, like you said, Jamie, you're doing it, whether you know it or not. What's your advice on that?
0: Well, I'll start with the first um, question that you asked, and it's about confidence, assertiveness, and and um, emotional intelligence. And I feel like if you have those three, your meter is going to be full. If you are half full, That means, hey, I've got some confidence. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good, and I'm ready to take some risks. I'm ready to throw out some ideas. So you're feeling good about that, but then the next piece comes, the assertiveness. How do I take the fact that I I have these risks and I want to present them? So now, in front of a group of people, I'm presenting these ideas. Now your, your meter is going closer and closer. Then it comes the emotional intelligence. Someone doesn't like that idea. And how do you respond to that idea? And I know as a young leader, that would get me a little ruffled. My gremlin on my shoulder was telling me, that was a great idea. What's wrong with them? Why don't they see it as a great idea? But I had to learn that it had to be the next stop. I, next I had to recycle it mm-hmm. and come back at it later and learn that just wipe right and move on mm-hmm. instead of getting stuck with that. So when you ask me about teams, mm-hmm. it's probably the same type of thing. When I'm building a team, I'm looking for people that don't think like I think. I want a diverse thinking group. I want those individuals to be active participants. And I do see it as my job to pull them out because I'm an introvert by nature. And some people say, no, Delaine, you're not really. Yes, I am. And it takes a lot for me to want to step out, to want to share. However, it's my role as a leader to make sure that those individuals sitting around that table have equal voice. Because if you don't, we miss out on so many great ideas. And in our industry today, we can't think the same way. We have to start thinking about what we need to do five years from now. And that's where I think building great teams, diverse thinkers are is the way to go. And, and weaknesses, they're filling gaps that we have. So when we're selecting, we're looking for individuals that have um, strengths in areas where we Great. don't.
1: Jamie, I know you have some specific thoughts on team building. Can you share?
3: Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I um, hire people smarter than you all the time, mm-hmm. period. Uh, I grew up with um, I, w- I was recently asked about you know one of my mentors and, and like I said I, I'm fortunate to have quite a few but uh, my dad <coughs> is probably one of my greatest mentors and, and I speak about him all the time. I, I grew up watching my dad gracefully lead um big teams uh, of individuals and so uh, he always had one key piece of advice for me and that was hire people smarter than you mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so. now who else thinks though? if I hire somebody smarter than me, they're gonna take my job Yeah,
3: yeah. but see that's the thing and we we see that and, and I hear that regularly um, In fact, you can very quickly pinpoint People that feel that way and it becomes a confidence issue or a pride issue, right? But if you surround yourself with great people, they're gonna fill in the gaps of your areas of opportunity, your weaknesses, right? I always say, I don't want a whole bunch of little Jamie's running around. That's that's not good for anybody. Mm -hmm. And so I want to hire a whole bunch of, you know, diverse individuals who come from all different walks of life who can challenge my way of thinking and help us to be able to evolve, but hire people smarter than you, equip them and then let them do their jobs, right? Period. And there's way too many times where we keep people under our thumb um, micromanaging. And, and don't get me wrong, there's a time that you have to micromanage something in the midst of, you know, regulatory or, or COVID changes or anything that we've recently seen. But um, people that are really strong leaders that you've equipped are only going to be held down for a very short period sure. of time. And sure. then you're going to lose their strength if you don't let them. Swear. And your
1: job is not in danger. Or so oh, yeah. in
3: fact, they deliver results that I need for my job. And really, at the end of the day, if I always tell people, I hope they take your job because I hope you
4: got promoted and then they
3: get to take your role.
4: Early in my career, I had a—I had a—in my hospital days, I had a, a supervisor, my my VP that I reported to, and he said to me, "You know, I used to think that I should never hire anybody smarter or better looking than I am. <laughs> I thought, well, I see smarter, but I'm not so sure you're going to win the better looking one." And he said, "You know what? I realized, and I've quoted him many, many times on this." is that good people only reflect well on you. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the better the people that you hire, really the better for you and for everything that you do. And it's a lesson that I think has really been a hallmark for me throughout Mm -hmm. my career, knowing that you want the very best team, and you want to give them the chance to develop and be the very best team, because it's for the greater good.
1: Sure. sure. uh, Sorry. sorry. We'll go April, and we'll go team. (laughs) <laughs>
2: okay. Oh, come
4: <on. laughs> He's Rock, like, we're excited yeah. about the Rock
1: topic,
0: right? a
2: about that, <laughs> you know. got his passion. So I think this is, you know, as I think you've tipped in our passion points, right? It's, right. you know, that um, how do you build that team, echoing absolutely 100% what everyone's saying here. And, you know, especially right now, we're in a workforce crisis. We're in a workforce crisis across all spectrums. And making sure that you got, we at work, we're always saying the right person on the right seat of the bus. I think you guys have probably have heard that. And remembering that, that... You know, whatever you're pushing and you're filling, what are the gaps that this position is that you're trying to hire for, getting the right skill set when you don't have very many applicants, just hiring is the wrong thing to do. And then equally we have a thing to do on the you know with the team and building a team is I think it's equally important for a leader to know when you have somebody on the wrong seat on the bus mm-hmm. and doing the right thing to get them moved into um, the correct position, that maybe they're the right person, they're just in the wrong position. Or if values, integrity is number one, does not line up with your organization, unfortunately you need to move them off the seat. And I think as leaders we look at, yeah, the recruitment, building your team, but we often don't want to make the hard decision that comes with coaching. You don't get there you know overnight and say, oh, they're the wrong seat on the bus. But when is it time to make that decision? Because we all know how detrimental it is to a team because everybody knows when that person's not the right person, right? It derails the whole bus, right? Mm-hmm. And they're looking to you as a leader right. to say, right really, you don't right. see this, right? And so knowing and addressing it early, right? And being transparent with the individual that's struggling, because the best thing as leaders is when you have someone that's on the wrong or potentially on the wrong seat, is finding out why... And then improving, and they thrive if you get them in the right in their environment. And I think that's one of the most satisfying things as a leader to say, somebody was looking at you and says, You are in the wrong position. You're not right for the company. And then the little tweak that you can do and understand where the skill set really is and getting them in the right place, and then they excel. I mean, that's, you know, really looking at that team building,
1: those are key, It's a great skill, equally yeah. key. You don't yeah. want to run anybody off in this environment, right? No. Tina, Tina.
5: <laughs> I would just add to what the rest of the panel said. Um, I take it a step further whenever I'm hiring uh, my team and that's to let them know why I hired them and it's to compliment or um, the, the skill set that I have. And I'm not afraid to tell them that that's where my weakness is. Mm-hmm. I've hired you to compliment my team because this is my weakness and that's why I need you on this team. So letting them know that they're valued so you don't have to be intimidated by the fact that you're bringing somebody else in that has a stronger skill set in that area. But as young leaders, I think sometimes we're afraid uh, to admit where our weaknesses are or to hire somebody who's smarter than you because you're going to put them out of a, of a job. So. Um, you know, just I, I like to be upfront with my team and let them know exactly why I hired them.
1: Excellent, excellent to hear from both sides on that. So, okay, we've uh, alluded to it a little bit. Let's get to the elephant in the room, or you might say, in the moderator's chair. Where do men fit into all of this? Of course, we're talking about a lot of women leaders and everything. Cassie, I'd like you to—I know you have some thoughts on this. So you I
6: understand. do have thoughts on this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean that quip earlier, by the way. <laughs> no,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
6: um, I mean, I obviously would not be here if it weren't for some really incredible men who um, were mentors for me along the way, gave me opportunities, believed in me and supported me. Um, but let me just show hands, how many women in here own the business that they operate? Mm-hmm. Nope, none of, none of us. Of how many in here are, work for a company that's owned by a woman? so that summarizes my thoughts on this Patricia talked about it earlier Um, although in operations and in clinical females have a big voice and we do a lot of the lifting we do the majority of the work we are labor we are not capital and there's not enough of us who are in the positions of power that make the decisions where the money goes and what is done with it And um, so I feel like I try to give myself a pep talk on this regularly. I encourage you guys to have, give yourselves pep talks on this regularly, that until we own more of the capital in our industry and any other industry on this planet, until we have done that, we are not done. Um, So that is something that I push and I strive for myself and a big reason why I wanna coach and mentor other women to make sure that they believe that they are good enough, talented enough, smart enough, and have the right to own that capital and be a part of those decisions.
2: So that's my thoughts on that.
1: April, I'm gonna turn to you. You have some notable men figures in the company. I mean,
2: I've had, you know, it's like we've said, we've had a lot of strong mentors. A lot of my mentors have been men. One of my biggest mentors is our CEO and owner. Um, Phil Fogg and he has driven and innovated and you know so sometimes we can look at it at a lens of we need women to do that we also need there's you need to look at the skill of the individual and the person that drives you equally though what Cassie said as we move through as women leaders is why is there not more women who are the owners who are the ones that are driving that Um, fortunately there's a lot of very equal you know those individuals that have those skills and those passions. But as we mentor and grow, I think what you mentioned as well is as women, especially working in healthcare, how do we take care of our staff for that life work balance? Mm-hmm. And women have the better lens on it. We're all biased in here, right? Um, women have the better lens on that than sometimes uh, men. And I do see some who struggle with understanding why. We need to give our female, and a lot of our men are now doing a lot of the paternity care, the balance, right? I'm always a kettle that called the pot black as I said Uh I'm trying to get people to spend more time, and I didn't do that early on. And, you know, my kids are now, um, you know, we're empty nesters, and so I wish we got that back. But like Cassie was saying, why is there not more women owners in position of authority? I do think we've grown in the last you know, decade or more, where there wasn't as many women that were on the seat of the bus that she is as a CEO and as a CCO. So there is movement and growth in the dynamics of leadership.
1: And and Carol, I don't know if you could add a little bit then to the ongoing relationships, you know, because men and women are going to have to work together, right? I mean, this is we have to remind people, you know, this isn't a get them type thing.
4: And I don't know that gender has to play a role in that, you know. Um, It's... Um, our VP of Human Resources is here today and Lauren and I have been talking a lot about DEI and our LGBTQI plus education and you know from where I sit in my life a person is a person is a person period and you know regardless of who you are whether you're male or female or your your lifestyle or the color of your skin. None of that really matters. You know, we're talking about someone who has abilities. We're talking about someone who has something to bring to the party. Isn't that what we're hiring for and developing people for? And it's not so much about whether they're male or female. I, I don't I don't know that I ever see that as a criteria when we're doing hiring. It's who's the best person to be in this role, what what can they do to support the organization, and how do we support them to grow regardless of who, who they are. And you know, over the course of my career, most of my mentors have been male, maybe all of them. And people that I've helped to develop have been equally male and female. I don't. I don't think mm-hmm. it necessarily matters.
1: Okay. Well said, yeah, too.
4: I
5: think the growth of our female operators, though, and leaders, uh, uh, we have to recognize the difference in the male and the female. Obviously, we're very different creatures. How many of you out there, ladies, have read How Women Rise? <laughs> If you haven't read it, I strongly recommend.
1: Say that again, Tina. What was
5: How it? Women Rise. It's a uh, it's a great great book. I uh, just finished it a couple of months ago, and it really breaks down all of um, the differences in the gender roles, and it talks about confidence, uh, ambition. And those are all things that, you know, as women, we can't be overconfident, right? Because then we're labeled and ambitious. We, as women, will judge men who are very (laughs) ambitious and we're like, oh, who does he think he is? What really helps you to digest all of the emotions that we go through as females. And um, it just breaks some barriers. It really broke down some barriers for me. And so I really encourage you all as uh, women leaders to
1: read that. So what we're going to do right now is have the toughest question I told you is all coming. We've talked about all these high-minded ideals, actual things. I ask each one of our panelists, say, if there's one takeaway, oh, take away. they must take away.
6: Okay. Um, keep fighting the good fight. It's it, So Google the word sans-demic. It's uh, exactly what you were just talking about. Our industry is going to get tougher, not not easier, and it's not just our industry. There are not enough people to do jobs. There's not going to be a Starbucks on every quarter 10 years from now. There won't be enough people to, unless it's self-serve. So maybe there will be. But um, so it's just a challenge we got to think about. So continue, but don't give up because it can be pretty overwhelming. Just don't give up because if not you, if not me, who will do it? So oh,
1: Great. Thank you. Tina.
5: Know your worth. And if you can believe it, you can achieve it. Mm-hmm.
0: Outstanding link I'm going to say, keep your meter on full. <laughs> <laughs> Out, I like it.
3: I'm going to go back to what Cassie said just, uh, for just a second. And um, I, I would say, recognize that there's going to be hard days, hard weeks, hard months. Um, and when you feel depleted, and I will tell you, I still take this advice, and I give this advice a lot, um, and I do it myself. When you feel depleted, when you feel like, Um, that moment of I I don't know that I can do this anymore. And I I am oh my gosh, and I'm gonna beat my head against a wall or whatever it is. That's your moment to go out and spend time with your residents. Mm -hmm. And I always say, don't pick the residents that are gonna complain at that moment. But go you know, go have lunch with your residents Mm -hmm. and go remind yourself, don't take your phone. Don't schedule any meetings, clear your day, and go out and spend time with your residents because it will reignite the fire every single
1: time. Carol, what do you say?
4: I'm gonna say a similar thing. I think we have to remember this is a people business. This is all about caring for individuals, whether those individuals are the elders we serve or the staff that we work with. And when when you forget that, you fail. So you have to remember that all the time. This is all about
2: people. Mm.
1: April your one must and take away my
2: one must take away I
4: can't
1: do
2: more than one huh <laughs> No, uh, I just always remember to do the right I got to do a couple right thing with integrity and don't forget your touch points yeah. you know what motivates you don't lose touch with those especially if you're remote outstanding
1: <laughs> for near and afar remote or in office for any gender in any season There was outstanding leadership advice given at our recent in-person McKnight's forum. We're glad to have shared it with you in today's installment. When you have the likes of April Diaz, Carol Silver Elliott, Jamie Merrill, Cassie Mistretta, Tina Reed, and Delane Rice-White offering their keys to success, you've already achieved a certain level of success yourself. We thank all of them again for taking time to lend their insight. This is Jim Berklin, thanking you for tuning in to this special McKnight's Newsmaker podcast. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time. Until then, we wish you good health and outstanding days ahead.
0: Thank you for listening to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in long-term care news, visit McKnight's.com.